0: Bonjour and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast dedicated to no BS leadership. I have a favor to ask you if you like us, if you appreciate the stories that we share on the podcast, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and to give us a five-star review because we deserve it. Don't you think so? I hope you do because I think so. <laughs> Imagine a moment in your life when someone believed in you more than you ever did. A moment where a single conversation forever changed the course of your life. Perhaps it was a teacher, a family member, or even a stranger who saw your potential, tapped into your hidden strengths, and unleashed possibilities that you th- never thought were possible. Now consider this. What if that transformative power of mentorship could be harnessed, shared, and multiplied, not just for a fortunate few, but for everyone seeking growth, knowledge, and personal transformation? Today's standout guest, Heidi Hover, is a forward-thinking and strategic people leader who collaborates with technology companies as a chief people officer. She is also a devoted volunteer and community advocate who supports many organizations as a board member and mentor. So please help me welcome Heidi to the Stand Up Podcast. Hi, great to be here. What is it that you do
1: and why does it matter? Oh, it's such a great question. You know, I think uh, when I originally started my career, I, like many people, wasn't uh, quite certain uh, where what that journey would look like. And I uh, have spent uh, much of my career in human resources, people experience, people and culture. Um, you know, it evolves uh, depending on, uh, you know, the year and obviously the organization you're working for. But essentially, um, I'm a leader. I'm a people leader. I help to create great cultures and organizations that uh, where people can bring their authentic selves to work, do amazing work. Um, And I think that, you know, I feel like much of my role is about innovating and adapting to the changing norms of business and the world of work. And it's been a really interesting journey so far. I think when I started my career initially, you know, human resources was much more traditional transactional. And today information, you know, human resources is at the forefront of so many businesses success. And I think that, you know, in the last number of years, we've really demonstrated strategic values and, and have demonstrated that, you know, without people, uh, you really don't have a business. And so it's nice to see that, you know, people and culture are getting the kind of the shout out that they deserve, uh, at this, at this state, uh, this time.
0: And there is something that you said that caught my attention. I'm a leader and this this is what I do. And I love that. So now let's take a look a little bit uh, earlier and see and take a look at the things that have shaped the leader you are and that you were meant to be. So Can you share a story from your childhood uh, or early life that had a significant impact on your decision to become a leader?
1: I think that, you know, one of the things that struck me really early on that I appreciate today is that, you know, my parents both really loved what they did. Um, They, you know, had, um, you know, very different roles than than mine, but they really liked what they did. They, they did every day. They woke up. They were happy to go to work. They And then I, re, I remember thinking to myself, you know, um, later on, I want to love what I do. And that's really important to me. And I mean, I instill that into everyone I'm talking to, whether it's former mentorship, uh, you know, parenting to my even my own little children. You know, finding something that you love to do is really important because, you know, there are going to be times when things go great and things don't go great. But, you know, when you're passionate about what you do and it brings you purpose, really helps kind of you navigate through the journey i would say that um you know watching them navigate um you know their own kind of you know jobs um and seeing again the the joy that they had in that work um instilled in me an interest to go find something that i love to do and that was really important to me i didn't want to be someone that didn't you know we call it the sunday scaries today um you know i didn't that person on Sunday evening that didn't want to go to work the next day and I've met people throughout my entire career who who are in that uh position for a variety of reasons they're not able to make changes but I wanted to always love what I did and so that to me at an early age showed me that you know regardless of the roles that my parents had and and they were more traditional workers you know my dad was a a light I have a family of truck drivers and my mom worked for a, a local factory they loved what they did. They made connections with their colleagues um, and they, every day they enjoyed going to work. Um, and that to me always resonated, even as a young age, I knew they loved what they did. And I was like, okay, wherever I'm destined, I want to love what I, I do. It took me a while to figure out. It wasn't a clear cut path. Mm-hmm. Um, I relocated, originally I'm from the Eastern Townships in Quebec, a beautiful uh, part of the country. And I relocated to Ottawa uh, over 25 years ago and i uh, was working full-time as an executive assistant administrative assistant for a management consulting firm and i went back to college at nighttime and i did night schooling forever um, up until the point where i graduated you know 12 years later with a degree in hr and i think a lot of people think i took this like you know everybody assumes like there's a path you take you know you graduate you go co-op you do this i think that it wasn't like that for me i needed to pay my way through school, I was actually loved the idea of being able to uh, have schooling and uh, theory at night and then bring it into my work the day uh, during the day. I thought that was really awesome. I think it made for better uh, you know better papers because I was able to bring what I was doing during the day and obviously kind of you know contextualize that in, in the work that I was doing for school. But I think it, t- it took me a little bit longer to get my uh, education and my academic piece done um but I, I don't regret it because i think it it i i persevered you know i was very dedicated um you know i had to be very organized because i was doing school you know part time plus working a yeah. full time role um but um again i think you know everybody's path is very unique and i think you need to celebrate that um i'm exactly where I, I should be um and the path i took is exactly the path that i needed to take to get here um and the learning along the way was incredible And so I always try to share that with young people. You don't have to follow so-and-so's footsteps, follow your own, like make your own path and celebrate that. And there's going to be times when you're progressing and there's going to be times when you're feeling like you're not. Um, you know, one of the reasons I started volunteering, uh, was that I knew no one in the city and I wanted to develop a network. Um, -hmm. I I didn't appreciate how valuable that would be. Um, at that time, I wanted to meet new people. And so i was navigating this new city on my own uh, as many of us do when we relocate to new cities or countries and so i started volunteering to establish a new network and then i got hooked um that that was a, became a passion of mine giving back to the community but the learning and growth that i've had throughout that time of me giving back have gotten so much more from the experiences Um, And I think that, you know, we can underestimate the value of being able to volunteer in your community and how much you can grow as a person. Um, And also professionally, I think it's really important.
0: And so we're going to come back to this topic uh, more in details a little bit later. Um, But you said it, you know, you have to create your own path. And I feel like we are, I don't know if we are ignorant or if we can call it being naive, or mm-hmm. we just think, especially when we are young, but not only actually, that there is a straightforward, you know, the line to your career path and to your life path anyway, it should be straight, you know, you graduate, you get a husband, you have kids, you get this beautiful career at the same time. And that's what I thought and listen until I, I realized that I had no project be- beyond the age of 30 right so because to me 30 was I feel like a deadline (laughs) you know (laughs) I would have had achieved all my personal and professional project by the age of 30 I would have had been at the 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 peak of of my career at the age of 30 married with kids you know the house the dog and the picture and all of this Um, and then I turned 30 and I had a breakdown For weeks, days and nights, for weeks, I would cry. I would cry myself out because I obviously didn't achieve anything that I was on my, uh, you know, to-do list because life wasn't, you know, linear and life is never, never, no matter where you come from, life is never linear, but that's what I thought. And I turned thirty, and I felt like I was a failure, and I even mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with my life because I had never portrayed or projected myself beyond the age of thirty. So I think mm-hmm. we put too much pressure on ourselves when we are young, mm-hmm. when actually what we need to understand, and that's what you know, we are having those conversations on this podcast, that mm-hmm. life is a journey. And you have to be able to embrace your own journey. It is perfect. I like to say it is perfectly imperfect because mm-hmm. it is your own. It is yours. And it shouldn't look like anyone else. Oh.
1: No. And celebrating that progress and the maybe the missteps. Um, and you know, sometimes we do take a step or two backwards to go forward. And sometimes there are li- they're linear steps, right? Where you're kind of going in parallel for a while. And I think it's fascinating because as women, um, you know, we, um, I would say all genders, right? Like we have a lot of hopes and dreams as we're kind of growing up and, you know, there are as, as well, a lot of pressure. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I wish we spent more time, energy and effort early on kind of paying more attention to what brings you purpose, what makes you happy, and then follow that because no matter where you end up, as long as you're doing work that is bringing you joy, bringing you purpose, you're going to be in a good place. And, you know, many people will tell you, um, you know, when you find that, right, when you find, when you get to a place where you can recognize that the work that you're doing truly brings you joy and that you would do it for free. I will often make, you know, have this conversation with young folks that I'll mentor and I'll say like, would you do this for free? Yes. Mm. When you get that immediate, yes. You're like, this is what, this is your passion. This is what you should follow. Um, and I think that, you know, I got really lucky. I stumbled into kind of HR and I realized that HR is uh, obviously a very, uh, You know, there's a lot of things that are under the HR umbrella. Um, I definitely am a generalist. It took me a while to to recognize that, you know, I'm happiest when I have my hands in all aspects of the function and not focusing or specializing on one area. And I would say that as I continue to grow in my career, the people leadership piece, like inspiring the next generation of leaders, that Mm -hmm. I realized was something that I was really excited about. I love helping other people. That's my why. And I only figured that out. Um, you know, full, I'm I'm in my 40s, 40s, by the way, better than 30s. Anybody out there wondering like you, what's next? I mean, <laughs> the older we get, the better we get. We're wiser. You know, we're just we have more time to reflect and appreciate what truly matters. And sometimes we have to slow down yeah. to sort of, you know, speed up and figure that out. But I think my why is really about helping others. And once it started becoming a leader of others and helping to uplift and empower and inspire them, I was able to really uh, feel a lot more joy in the work that I was doing. And so now my kind of raison d'etre is anything that I'm doing, if it's a helping a founder launch a startup or if it's a, about helping a volunteer organization, you know, uh, you know, create a new strategic plan, it's about, you know, am I helping others? And, and what does that look like? And, and what's that rippling effect potentially? Um, that mm. brings a lot of joy
0: and fulfillment
1: i guess fulfillment totally yeah purpose right we're all looking for that hierarchy right when you think of the masos hierarchy that self-actualization piece um you know what is it right now in your life that's not bringing you joy that you could change to bring you more joy in your life that can help you reach that purpose um i think that's really important like we all know life is short and you know you want to make the most out of it and so If you look at your life now and think in this aspect of my work, I don't enjoy this. Well, what could you add or change um, or negotiate, right, in that piece of work that could bring you more joy, that might help have it be more fulfilling for you? Um, I think that's something to kind of be kind of reflecting on. Yeah. A question I like to ask all
0: my guests is if I were to ask your loved ones three words
1: to describe you what would they say? I'm thinking of my husband. So I'll think of my, my partner in life. Um, you know, my, one of my you know my favorite people ever. He, he, I suspect, because we've talked about this, I would say he would say generous of spirit and of my time, which is why I mentor a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would probably say, um, I have good instincts. So my instincts on people are really strong. And uh, I would say loving caring, yeah, loving
0: caring. I can't. We can say right. This is also why mentorship is such a big part of your life. But let's get back to uh, trusting your instinct. Hmm. I, I I feel as as a woman, we have a, a strong instinct, mm-hmm. but most of the time we don't listen to it, right? right we don't know how to do it, we ignore it, or sometimes we feel something and we don't even know this is what our instinct is. So is that something that you learned to listen to and to trust? Or that's something from a very young age that you always knew, you know, this this, this deep feeling or this inner voice that like, "Mm, I got to trust myself. I got
1: to trust my gut. I would say later, later, midlife, (laughs) midlife so far. Oh, tell us more about that. Probably more in my later 20s. I started sort of trusting myself a bit more. Um, And I think doing that reflection, um, you know, having a growth mindset is really critical. Um, I think that, you know, and I know we, we, you know, a lot of um, great, um, you know, available information out there about growth mindset. But to me, it's really about, you know, taking the learning, doing the reflection, and then, you know, making changes to um, enable whatever that growth needs to be. And I would say from an instinctual perspective, um, you know, it starts with trusting yourself first and foremost. It is about, you know, and I think that's really important when you do start mentoring is that you need to be able to trust yourself first before you start, you know, doling out advice and counsel and guidance to other people. And I think that that was definitely, you know, when I started um, mentoring more and more in my later 20s, as I started growing my own career more, um, and and becoming more the mentor, not just the mentee, I had to start having those conversations with. I know this is the right direction, the right um, connection to make, right? Um, you know, I I love making connections for people. That is something that brings me a lot of joy, and maybe that's the in in the recruiter in me, right? Um, I love. Kind of bringing people together that should be together but i think uh you have to start listening like i feel this way um and this is why now i've worked for a lot of technology companies a lot of data companies so what i think even in my later 20s early 30s i started realizing i needed to validate that not for me but for others so i feel really strongly about this and here's the data to prove the rationalization as to why yeah. i'm wanting to make this decision or go this route and i think that that is about built confidence over the years, where like, I felt really strongly about this, whatever it is, I'm going to go get the data now that can complement that decision. Yeah. And then that inevitably boosted the results of being on the like, that instinct was right on making that connection, hiring that person, you know, um, you know, not moving ahead with this project at this point in time, all of those things that you know, when you, you have to use judgment, like if you think about it, Every day, all day, we're making thousands and thousands of decisions, often without even thinking about it. Why sometimes do we go, oh, I know the answer, but I'm going to question myself at this point. Yeah. Maybe it's as simple as just saying, I'm not actually going to question myself. I, I'm going to just going to go with it. I'm going to do it. Um, you know, I, someone once said to me, I, I, I once said, oh, I'm going to fake it until I make it. And I said, no, you're going to face it until you make it. I love that, Ooh. right? Let's say it again. Let's say it again. Face it until you make it. And
0: I think that's super powerful. It is. And I definitely don't believe into the fake it until you make it. I don't believe this is healthy. And I don't believe this is sustainable on right. a personal level and on a relationship level. You don't want to fake a, a, a person when building relationship with others just because you believe it's by faking it that you will make it happen. No. Right. Face it. I love that. You know, it. learn from it or learn what you need to learn in order to become that person, to become the leader you were meant to be. And as you learn and get better, you forge relationships along the way. So now let's talk about the practicality of mentorship. Of course, there is the philosophy and there is the value, the cultural value behind mentorship. But let's take a look at the practicality. How did you leverage your community work to stand that from the crowd while advancing your
1: career? So I had the opportunity to get formally mentored through a variety of different organizations that I was a part of through as an HR leader, through the HRPA and other organizations I was a part of. I've done a lot of work with women's internet like organizations as well. So first as a mentee and then obviously paying it forward. And I think that's an incredibly important point that I hope we can explore. Uh, later in my career paying it forward to other women and i would say that you know every time i had the opportunity to be mentored i made sure i walked away with at least one or three things that i was going to uh, put forward um, you know actionable takeaways and i think that was really important the one thing i will say is that i always drove the relationship so even as a mentee i came in on time i was dependable reliable I took ownership of what we were going to be talking about. I respected the individual's time that they were giving me. I set the agenda, right? I came prepared. And I think that that's why I was really fortunate to have developed such amazing mentorship relationships, formal or even informal. I think it's really important to understand what it is you're hoping to get out of the discussion you're going to be having with someone, um, being respectful of that time, and just really taking ownership. Um, to make sure that you're getting that value out of it that you want. And I do that now, obviously, as a mentor, I try to share with individuals, the power of taking ownership, and, um, you know, you know, showing up for themselves and not Mm -hmm. apologizing, you know, here's what I'm hoping to get out of this conversation. Here's what I'm hoping to get out of this relationship. And I think, you know, mentorship is, I think the one important thing that I've, um, you know, learned over the years, and I was One th- one of my amazing mentors who I have an incredible relationship with, they shared that, you know, it's not about, you know, mentorship sometimes will be taught you're teaching. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm guiding. I'm being curious. I'm asking great questions to help them formulate their own plan. But at the end of the day, I can't tell you what to do. I can suggest ideas. Um, and I think that that was really powerful for me. My mentors never told me what to do. They shared their lived experiences with me to help me reflect on that so I could take all the good nuggets away from what they've learned and then, you know, put my own, you know, kind of help me navigate my own journey. And I think even the language we use is really important. Like I'll often say, here's some suggestions for you to consider. I mean, I do that in my day-to-day work, but I also do it with my, when I'm mentoring with someone and I'll be like, here's why I think you could consider this, but I'm not saying you should go do X, Y, Z, this work for me. I can only share the learnings and the wisdom mm-hmm. that I've received from other individuals. And I think that's the collective power of mentoring. It's not just me and my lived experiences. I'm bringing all the wisdom I've I've gained from all these incredible other people that have touched my life, my lives, and I'm able to share that out. And so, um, you know, but being prepared and knowing what you want to get out of the relationship, I think is really yeah. critical. And making sure you're checking in along the way. Often when I mentor, I'll be like, are you getting what you're looking for from our relationship? You know, Are we spending enough time together? Am I asking enough questions? Are you having enough time in between our calls? And I think doing those check-ins is really important because you can get feedback from the person you're supporting. And I would say, too, that I generally learn much more than I feel like I'm giving. Like every time I walk away from a, a formal relationship as a mente- a, with a mentee, one, I've created a lasting friendship, but two, I feel like, wow, I just walked away with a lot of additional insight that I didn't have. Because that person may be at a different stage in their career, maybe even in a different, completely different sector, and I'm able to take away a lot of really interesting facts um, and yeah. insight from them and their journey again, to pay that forward to someone else. Confidentiality, obviously, really important in creating that safe space, where you've got that trust and credibility is key. And a lot of times, uh, formally, or even informally, you got to create that really quickly. And so sometimes like a guiding sense of principles, maybe you make them up in your first call, like what are our guiding principles that are going to help us navigate this kind of this relationship as we go forward. And you said that mentorship
0: is a two-way street, right? And mentoring is not teaching, it's guiding. So in your opinion, what are the key qualities or characteristics that make a mentor uh, effective and influential?
1: Being present and truly, if you're going to commit, commit and be intentional with your time. You know, be honest too, if you don't have the hour, you know, but you've got a great 30 minutes then, then be okay to say I've got 30 minutes and then be truly present I think being curious and being open-minded is really critical and again that sense of uh, trust and credibility is I think imperative once you lose that it's harder to 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 get that back and I think you know um you know just showing up in your best self and um, um, you know and and being available for someone else and being a sounding board and I think you know I mean I think the biggest takeaway for me is what does this person need what are they hoping to walk away from at the end of this discussion because at the end of the day at the end of the discussion you want that person to feel like this was a really good use of my time with heidi you don't want them to walk away and go i i I, that wasn't a great use of my time i could have gotten you know i could have gotten i didn't get what i was looking for so i always like to kind of initiate that right off the get let's set some expectations for success here What are you hoping to get out of it? How can I make this conversation um, the most comfortable for you? Um, And so you can establish that trust, that rapport right off the bat. Um, But I think being present, really showing up intentionally and authentically as possible and and being willing to share your experience as well. You said it, it's not one way. It's not fair for me to ask you all the questions and for me not to share some of my own lived experiences with you. It it really needs to be a two-way discussion And I think both parties need to kind of own that. Exactly. And we have a great question from Erin,
0: who is joining us from the UK. uh, Talking about mentoring, can you explain the situation where mentoring falls on your shoulder by a default system, not necessarily when you set out to be a mentor? That's a very good question. Mm -hmm. And I believe those kind of situations can happen, happen when there is a mentorship program within an organization.
1: Well, and sometimes um, you naturally become a mentor because you're a natural leader and it's an opportunity, right? Because you, for some reason, everyone is going to you because uh, you inspire them or that you've accomplished something that they're hoping to accomplish. And sometimes it happens almost very informally. Um, And I mean, again, you know, taking stock of whether that is something you're comfortable with or not, but it can be a great opportunity. I think long before I officially started mentoring, I was doing it informally, just, um, you know, naturally, you know, people would start coming to me. And that, that, that does demonstrate you're that natural leader. People are going to you because they trust you. They think Mm -hmm. that you may be able to support them, validate their ideas be an incredible sounding board for them. So I think it's an opportunity. I think you need to determine your comfort zone with that and obviously make sure that if it's related to a role, particularly that might lead to people leadership uh, possibilities and opportunities for you down the line, just because naturally you're taking that role on as a mentor. I hope I answered the question uh, in the way that the person was hoping to get an answer, uh, but that's what I'm taking away. I, I definitely see this as an opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nature and nurture dichotomy, exactly, Yeah, uh, Erin. So Mm -hmm. a a recent study um, in the UK um, revealed that a shocking 71% of female workers uh, feel underappreciated at work, so Mm -hmm. facing barriers uh, to career progression. So those numbers are for the UK, but we know in the US, in Canada, in many countries in the world, uh, this is the, the... we share similar challenges and and similar situations as women in the workplace. Um, How can mentorship um, go a step further and support a woman's career progression?
1: I think it's an uh, an important element of of part of that sort of that that pathway that you need to create for yourself. And I'm going to say that again, that you need to create for yourself. We talked about that at the beginning of the call, you know, We can't rely on others to kind of help us define that we really do need to take a lead on that and be unapologetic about that you know if we want to achieve certain things in our life we need to be the one spearheading that and championing those things for ourselves again unapologetically and so even if you think well Heidi that's great but I don't have access to a mentorship program I can't afford to join a a program or I'm not even sure where to start you know it doesn't have to be formal it could be informal i've many people reached out to me over the years through um you know different organizations i've been a part of um or when i meet someone at an event or even someone reaching out to me on linkedin asking for a discussion about a particular topic and i think you know you don't need to wait i've said this before you know create don't wait create those opportunities where you can um have Someone who is going to take time with you to navigate whatever questions you have, maybe about the next step in your journey, in your career, or how you want to maybe go out on your own, or maybe you don't even know what questions to be asking yourself, but you know you want to change, then don't wait, right? Create those opportunities for yourself. Unapologetically, I think that's something that as women, um, we will often do, right? I can't ask for help. I should be able to do it on my own. I don't have the network that can support me. I, I I disagree. I think you can go and create that network of like-minded individuals that are going to come together. Right before the pandemic, a really amazing woman I know in Ottawa was creating a lean-in circle. But they were doing it at nighttime. And with young kids, I couldn't attend. But I really love the idea of bringing like-minded women together to uplift and empower and inspire one another. And I said, could I take whoever's not able to take you know, a commit to an evening event, could I do something at lunchtime during the, mm-hmm. the week? And they said, yeah, I'll, I'll make those connections for you. We subsequently you know, brought together 20 amazing women right before the pandemic. We had a big meeting at the office that I was in at the time um, at my workplace. And uh, then the pandemic hit, things changed um, uh, greatly for how we were gonna be able to come together. And lives were disrupted. People were parenting, teaching, uh, working, partnering at home, and it was a, a very difficult time. But what I will say to you is that network of women over the last three and a half years still come together on a monthly basis. There's about five or six women that still come together. And I'm still in touch with a lot of the women that originally were in that lean in circle. But that was an opportunity we created for ourselves Mm -hmm. because we were looking for a community of women to come together. And we all have very different backgrounds. But what we have is a friendship and a safe environment where we can come together together. And a lot of times we're celebrating each other's success and uplifting each other and motivating and inspiring each other when we're navigating like real life things, whether it's career or things that are happening personally. And so I think that, you know, don't wait, go create those opportunities for yourself, even if it's just one other woman initially, right? Create a circle. And then that might grow into something or maybe you keep it really small. But, you know, those opportunities are there and women do, generally speaking, have that open mind, and heart to want to help each other
0: out. Yeah. Wow. What a wonderful way to end that conversation. Uh, Like it couldn't have been better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Create
0: opportunities for yourself. Do not hesitate to ask for help. This is something that Mm -hmm. I did struggle with now. I, 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 feel, I feel much more comfortable asking for help or, you know, reaching out to people and asking questions, you know, sometimes I'm confused, I need clarity, mm-hmm. and it makes your life so much easier, you have no idea, so if you were holding back, holding yourself back from asking mm-hmm. questions, asking for support, you know, do it stop Absolutely. that nonsense because at the end of the day we are doing this to ourselves no one and the is. only
1: other thing i would share is that you know a lot of times i've been asked when should i start becoming a mentor when should i start mentoring and i'm like now right now because you are wherever you're at in your career you've got lived experiences you could pass on to someone else and so don't wait you know get out there be open to those opportunities um and you know i think especially if you've had the opportunity to be mentored make the time to pay that forward to someone else. There's a lot of individuals out there that could benefit from a friendly ear um, and a little bit of advice and counsel, so.
0: Yeah. Heidi, thank you so much for being a standout guest today. Uh, We have definitely learned a lot. Thank you so much for your time, for your openness to share your story with us. And for those of you watching and listening to the podcast, I will see you next week for another episode of Stand Out from the Crowd. Thank you. You stay safe and you take care. Bye-bye, everyone.